Jim Stewartson is a man who calls himself an anti-disinformation activist with a background in designing alternative reality games, or ARGs as they're known. Stewartson took interest in QAnon towards the end of the Trump administration and has drawn on his background to cook up some theories of his own to explain the conspiracy theory movement. We'll get into some of those and why they don't make much sense, but what is perhaps more concerning is his conspiracy theories about other researchers and journalists who have voiced any form of disagreement with his ideas and his obsessive fixation on those critics. But Jim Stewartson is not a lone actor. There are many people like Stewartson online auditioning for your attention and brain power and applying distortions to what otherwise might be their followers' best intentions. This is an episode on self-declared experts on extremism and disinformation and a cautionary tale about choosing who we trust for information, especially on complicated issues. I'm Jared Holt. I'm Jay McKenzie. And I'm Griff Somke. This is a collaboration between Posting Through It and Did Nothing Wrong. And before we dive in, because this episode might generate a little bit of controversy, uh, particularly with the subject of this episode, uh, I'm going to leave this reminder here. Uh, like all of the newsletters and podcasts that I write and record for posting through it, uh, this episode was also produced outside of my day job at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. ISD had no input into this episode, and the opinions that I am bound to express here in this whole thing are totally my own. And I think the fact that he just said that is an indication that we've got a pretty good episode for you today. Later on, we'll be joined by Mike Rothschild. Let's dive in. Jim Stewartson is a man in his early 50s who has a whole lot of thoughts about conspiracy theories. And many of his published thoughts are, well, what you would call conspiracy theories. A 2021 Vice News article by journalist David Gilbert recapped his rise into the conspiracy theory research space, or the, quote, disinformation industrial complex, <laughs> <laughs> like this. Stewartson, 51, again, this is a two-year-old article, came to the attention of the QAnon world in 2020, and without any background in conspiracy research, de-radicalization, or anything even remotely approaching these topics. Prior to spending all his time researching QAnon, Stewartson worked for a variety of companies, including Google, creating immersive experiences such as virtual and augmented reality games. Now, you can go look this up, but there's a 2011 article in Hollywood Reporter about Jim's former company, Fourth Wall Studios, securing up to $215 million of investment from LA's richest man. According to another article about this company, they had at least 40 employees at one time. And they even won an Emmy. But all of this was over a decade ago, before Jim was a terminally online poster. Again, according to Vice, quote, Stewartson first gained widespread attention in QAnon world in August of last year, this would have been 2020, when he published the first of a series of bombshell blog posts claiming that the conspiracy movement was a giant alternative reality game, or ARG, run by malevolent puppet masters who are located both here and overseas, including the Russians, unquote. 
What's always got me about Jim is that he showed up on the scene as like a, a, a new QAnon guy right about the time that QAnon was winding down posting. You know, Q, the Q posts were drying up and suddenly this dude shows up and, you know, within the course of three days has completely cracked this nut and how the Russian government is connected to it. Yeah, three days. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing he didn't get much sleep. Uh, not sure what all <laughs> what is in his system. Can you imagine how many points up on the board he he had? Little, uh, you know, the the lines and the cat yarn. And man, I I, I wouldn't want to check out his room after that three days. It's just so wild, man. Because I've been looking at that stuff for like three years, and mm-hmm. I just I have to question everything now. If I, <laughs> man. <laughs> There's so much, so much out there in terms of material, and the man got it all done in three days. That's He should be doing something more with himself than this, we, then. We need to get this guy into SpaceX or something. No kidding. <laughs> so the Vice News article continues. Stewartson readily admits he's not a journalist, and his only real investigative skill is Googling shit. I'm not a spy or a journalist, Stewartson wrote. All I can do is Google shit, talk to people, and write about it, which I have done. But Stewartson found an audience for his opinions and gained an army of followers on social media, as well as appearances in the media, including being interviewed for the Search for Q documentary series on Vice TV as an authoritative voice about the QAnon phenomena. We should point out how embarrassingly easy it can be to cultivate online audiences if you know the right buttons to push with people. It doesn't take skill or even intelligence. It takes shamelessness and constant posting. You have to just keep posting. It's it's imperative to keep posting. Yeah. Just go mm-hmm. look at Cat Turd 2 on Twitter, and you will know exactly what we mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, sometimes, on some days, where I'm feeling, you know, a little lazy, perhaps, I kind of empathize with the, you know, all I can do is Google shit thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's been some days where, honestly, man, my heart just hasn't been in it. Research is hard, bro. (laughs) Finishing up the vice piece. Stewartson believes he is the one being attacked and that the attacks are coordinated in order to maintain the status quo by researchers who don't want to reveal the origins of QAnon because they're making so much money from it. But, like a lot of Stewartson's theories, he has provided no evidence to back it up. Stewartson has become something of a pariah within the QAnon research community, where other researchers have accused him of spreading conspiracy theories about the origin of QAnon. Stewartson has spent months having very public Twitter fights with many of the most prominent QAnon researchers, hitting out at anyone who questions his opinions. This came to a head last month when a leaked screenshot revealed Stewartson had drawn up a list of a dozen researchers and journalists that he labeled controlled opposition. I wanted to include a couple examples of Jim calling people, quote, controlled opposition, so you get a sense of what we're talking about here. Of vice journalist David Gilbert, who wrote the article we're quoting here, Stewartson said that Gilbert was a, quote, wholly owned stenographer of the controlled opposition to QAnon who has been doing everything in his power to protect the people actually running it. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I, maybe that, uh, Jared, can you back that up? Is that your experience of uh, Mr. Gilbert? I can't, I can't say that has ever been my experience with David Gilbert. Um, I find him <laughs> to be a pretty thoughtful guy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, you just got a got a small brain over here, but uh, mm-hmm. okay. Of Yoel Roth, the former head of trust and safety at Twitter, who was forced to flee his home recently after a torrent of online abuse. According to Stewartson, Yoel Roth is quote, part of the controlled opposition and always has been. His goal is and always was to radicalize Americans, first for Jack Dorsey and now Elmo Musk. That didn't last very long for a guy who was like in on the take. You know, Yol mm-hmm. Roth didn't stick around very long in Twitter. No. And why can't it just be that I don't like the guy or he's bad at his job or or maybe he he doesn't ban enough people. No, it's he's he's in on it. And he's part of it, and I don't know. I guess in that telling, then then the whole abuse of Yul Roth was part of the forty chess, and I, I don't want to I don't want to go down that road. But I mean, it's totally acceptable to think that someone sucks. I'm sure plenty of people think <laughs> I suck or that you suck. Everybody yeah. loves Griff, so we'll leave him out of this. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that is saying like I think this guy sucks is very different from being like he. Uh, is is in Twitter as controlled opposition to radicalize the world. That is like that. That's taking the football and like throwing it out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So there's some more to this Vice article about a group Stewartson was involved in called the Thinkin' Project. Yes, it's a pun on the controversial The Lincoln Project, a nonprofit anti-Trump media production house run by former Republicans. Yeah, and there's something else that I noticed looking into this. The the Twitter account for the Thinkin' Project is now gone. The group no longer exists, the website's gone, all of that. But the Twitter account that they use for the Thinkin' Project was actually a repurpose of a Gab Takes account on Twitter, which Stewartson himself said was, quote, shamelessly ripping off the Parlor Takes account, which is now Patriot Takes. They they post a lot of material of right-wing accounts and often just make fun of them. And it, it gets a lot of laughs. It gets a lot of attention. But it seems to me, and, and Jared, I, I would like your thoughts on this, but it, it's a hell of a 180 to go from... I'm going to do a Gab Takes account and mock these people, which you're you're replatforming Nazis. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of these accounts, really. And I say that as someone who used to work at Right Wing Watch, and, like, that's something the Right Wing Watch account does. It's a theory of change that, like, I, I have kind of changed my mind on. But, yeah, I think that's it's very interesting. I don't know if that was, like, his account or whose account that it was, but... To be fair, Gab is kind of a barren wasteland, uh, unless you're just looking for like straight up neo Nazis. So maybe they're just like the material just wasn't there, and you know you've just got to pivot into a self help organization for conspiracy theory believers, because that's the logical next step, right? Could it be any different though? It's just it's remarkable to me that you're so desperate for clout that on the same Twitter account you go from mocking the right to saying, "Oh no." We're here to help. We're going to save these people from QAnon. No, we're not making fun of them anymore. And within, I think Stewartson was part of the Thinking Project for two months. And and then he, the Vice News article came out and the group just devolved. But in that time, he got hundreds of volunteers and helped thousands of people. And that just doesn't sound possible. It, it doesn't, none of that sounds real. Yeah, none of those numbers sound real at all. And yeah, I mean, what a pivot. It's just like kind of shameless. Also, just, you know, 
for the record, any organization that gets unraveled by like one critical news article was probably full of shit to begin with. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Mike Rothschild, who happens to be one of the people that Stewartson calls controlled opposition. And come to think of it, I think that he's said that about me before, like something about me wanting to protect Mike Flynn. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that. Uh, uh, you know, many people are saying that. Many people are saying everyone. That. Everyone is talking about it. There's yeah. so much evidence. Uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, can you disprove it, though? Uh, I, I can't disprove it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, there you go. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. <laughs> Jared Holt works for Mike Flynn. <laughs> it is a weird world where Mike Flynn is the final boss in the reality Stewartson has created on Twitter.com. Um, I think there's, you know, the plenty of of good people there, but unfucking disinformation, which is what they're going to have to do, right? Is a is hard. It's an art. And I have no idea if they have the right people in place uh, to do that. And, you know, that's frankly petrifying. Um, Because if the January 6th committee fucks up, if they just focus on Trump instead of the people who really planned it, you know, Flynn, Bannon, Prince, Roger Stone, um, if they just go after Trump as the figurehead, then we're done. Because right now, Mike Flynn is out there bring fucking millions and millions of people. And, um, you know, the, the violence that we're seeing, Buffalo, is the result of this radicalization plan. According to Jim, Mike Rothschild has been following orders from an alt-right troll named Doug Stewart, who, according to Jim, also works with Flynn. A fun personal fact and thing that I wanted to note, Mike and I have a, a shared enemy here, and Doug Stewart actually threatened to sue me in 2017 oh, on nice. Twitter. Uh, yeah. I've yet to hear back. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know exactly how the symbiotic relationship here works. Is Mike Rothschild his employee, his minion, his underling? Uh, hopefully, he can break that down for us. Uh, probably more of like an internship situation. <laughs> <laughs> Five years though for an internship. When does he get promoted, man? Since that Vice article, Stewartson has joined the rank and file on Substack where he publishes a seemingly endless trove of articles elaborating on his theories and attacking those who dispute them. His publication there is called, quote, Mind War, The Psychological War on Democracy, unquote. He co-hosts a podcast with some folks, and he has produced and released a 45-minute film called American Mindfuck, in which he lays out his grand theory of QAnon. It was difficult to be that crazy guy. And I have been trashed and harassed and trolled and fucking lied about because no one wants to hear this. That film, or some form of it, was originally set to roll out via Midas Touch, the high-profile anti-Trump social media content mill. A tweet on January 6, 2022, a year after the Capitol riot, declared, Exclusive! We are proud to announce our new project with Jim Stewartson, American Mindfuck, coming soon. Prior to this announcement, 
Jim Stewartson was targeted by insurrectionist and had his account suspended. Please retweet with hashtag free Jim Stewartson. I hate it when people use exclusive like this. Like, this is basically a press release, and it's mm-hmm. from your shop. Of course you have the fucking exclusive. It's your <laughs> announcement. Sorry. Sorry. Please retweet. Yes. <laughs> well, that was going to be very big for getting the film in front of people and would have done a lot to cement Stewartson as a voice on QAnon in anti-Trump media circles. But it didn't really work out that way. Here's how Jim recaps that experience. Then, for five days, I came under assault by waves of trolls who lied about me thousands of times and attacked Midas for working with me, often tagging Twitter and Twitter safety. I barely responded to any of it because I knew then Twitter was looking for an excuse to ban me. So I spent the time... I'm sorry. (laughs) So I spent the time doing a 200 tweet thread showing my record of providing. God damn it, dude. I'm sorry. 200 tweet thread. I'm trying. I'm trying. 200 tweet thread showing my record of providing valuable, prescient information. (laughs) I'm sorry, dude. That's your response. You think this tech company is like out to get you, and then you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post on that platform a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That'll get me out of trouble here. And when he got banned once, he complained that all of his work was lost. And again, this is why we do not live on Twitter threads, folks. Yeah. I mean, after that documentary announcement came out, people did tweet at Midas Touch. I did see some of that. Maybe someone got in touch with them. I honestly have no idea. But within a matter of time, the group withdrew from the film. And Stewartson was left to produce it all by his lonesome. To me, the most likely explanation is that this is what happens when you make enemies with half of left-wing Twitter and no conspiracy required, but... Yeah, it's almost as if you make people mad at you. They might troll you a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. I've watched parts of this documentary, and honestly, I I couldn't finish it. It was like somebody... It was honestly like watching somebody masturbate themselves. (laughs) If I could summarize the first half, at least, it's basically, you know, clips of Jim being like, I got some weird vibes and I tweeted about it. And then like a bunch of news clips that, you know, I guess are juxtaposed to try to make him seem like really prophetic, like like he really knew. Um, And, you know, there's plenty of, you know, quote unquote documentaries that do this sort of thing, but... I don't know. Not for me. It reminded me too much of the Diamond and Silk Dummy Kratz film, if I'm being totally real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Diamond. Mm. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's too soon. Uh, a, a point I think is worth mentioning and reiterating here is that Stewartson really came into QAnon late, after it had almost winded down. And the first Q post was in October 2017, but Jim didn't jump into this persona, really, until August 2020. According to Jim, it took him, quote, three days to figure out this was Mike Flynn's operation and that it was going to be targeting elections, end quote. Three days after starting (laughs) three years late. I would love it if life were so simple and explanations for convoluted conspiracy theories were that easy to come by. But that is not how the real world works, in my experience. Just seems so simple, man. It's mm-hmm. Mike Flynn. Just look at the guy. He looks guilty. Mm-hmm. 
He's a bad dude. Indeed. Uh, yeah. It'd be better if he wasn't posting on Twitter every day and amplifying QAnon conspiracy theories, but is that going to fix the world's problems? Mm. Maybe not. Well, maybe that's why Jim thinks that, quote, maybe the accelerationists are right, unquote. You know, the the reality is that, that we've got this blatant issue and we've got these people running around um, who are clearly doing the business of our enemies. Um, and we're too afraid to call that out. Uh, we're too afraid to call out the the Kremlin propaganda and the psyops, you know, that are, that are being, you know, shoved down everybody's throat all the time. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think it's important to, to sort of reach back and say, listen, these things have been going on forever. And until we recognize this pattern of our own, our own government, um, you know, uh, sort of being complicit, in, in allowing these things to happen and not bringing accountability, you know, maybe the accelerationists are right. <laughs> well, what Jim does next is anyone's guess. After we publish this episode, he'll probably spend a while spiraling and throwing out theories about all of us and how we work for Doug Stewart and we're part of his network. And they all must be true. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be really instructive, actually, because mm-hmm. then we can just, like, you know, if you if you want to know, really, like, see it for yourself what we were talking about. I'm sure just give it a couple days after this thing drops. Mm-hmm. I also just wanted to note, um, you know, we've been ragging on Jim pretty good here. I've actually traded a few messages back and forth with him on LinkedIn. Uh, after I criticized Jim on Twitter sometime last year, you know, I expressed doubts about his expertise. And I noted that he was a pretty toxic dude towards his critics uh, especially women and he reached out to uh, ask me in some words or another what the fuck man i was really hoping to have a productive conversation with him uh, but he was really attached to this idea that there's a grand conspiracy out to defame and destroy him all of that said the gym i spoke to was very different in tone compared to the one that we see thrashing around online and it was a little disorienting Anyway, I hope he can cool down a bit, spend some time away from the computer. I think that'd be good for him, because just from that very limited interaction, I kind of got the impression that Jim, to some extent, is like playing a persona, and that persona is like baffling to me, because it just picks fights all the time. Yeah, we do have a tendency to become the things we pretend to be, as Vonnegut said, and I think for all of us who have been this online for this long, we've realized that every now and then you do need to look in the mirror, Mm -hmm. go outside. Touch grass, as they say. Yes. Touch grass. Yeah. All right. We've been talking about uh, Jim enough. Let's let's go to Mike. Joining us now is Mike Rothschild, the author of The Storm is Upon Us, How QAnon Became a Movement Cult and Conspiracy Theory of Everything, Uh, Mike has been on my show. Has he been on your show before, Jay? Group? No, not yet. Oh, so this, yeah. this, this is the day for you. And, <laughs> and Mike, you've got another book coming out uh, next year about uh, Jewish space lasers, uh, which I'm very excited to see how that turns out. Uh, but, <laughs> Me too. Thanks for joining us to talk about uh, somebody who you are very familiar with. Yeah, sadly. Yeah, a little bit too familiar. 
Um, and, and, you know, both with him and his kind of circle of, of people who think that everything he says is the gospel truth and, uh, irrationally hate me for no other reason than they've been told to. Always good stuff. Uh, well, we've got some questions for you, Mike. Jay, take us away. Well, Mike, Jim Stewartson is rather obsessed with you, and he claims you're guilty of various forms of harassment against him. But from what I've gathered, the only evidence Jim has presented of this is a few instances where you fact-checked him. <laughs> Am I missing something here? Is that all he has? Oh, that's all he has. My sort of cardinal sin against Jim is this, the same one against a lot of other researchers and, and journalists in that world is that I didn't believe them entirely. I didn't blindly accept their conspiracy theories to explain conspiracy theories. And with Jim in particular, it was it started with a series of DMs basically sort of trying to get me to go along with his theory that QAnon was started by Russian intelligence and that it was, you know, Jim Watkins and this other guy, Thomas Schoenberger, and some of these other very, very marginal figures. And I just wasn't receptive to it. I, I didn't I didn't think there was any real value in it. And that was it. That was all it took. And then I was public enemy number one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the making of a, you know, compromised agent, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Not trusting the plan, as it were. No. So you've talked about left-wing accounts who are prone to conspiracy thinking as embracing, quote, unevidenced conspiracy theories promising punishment of enemies based on secret intel from an anonymous source, except it's against Trump and the GOP rather than for it. These posts are indistinguishable from Q drops, unquote. Do you think people on the left are drawn into this for the same reasons that the right was drawn into QAnon? Absolutely. That's a good question. I, I think the, the psychological triggers are the same. The need for explanations for what's really going on, the need to feel like you have secret knowledge, that you know what's happening, that you're dialed in, whereas everybody else is asleep, and the need to see the people who you think are responsible for everything that's gone wrong be punished. There's very little that separates QAnon's need for Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and George Soros and the Rothschilds to be, you know, tried and hanged at dawn at Guantanamo Bay from the need for Donald Trump and Steve Bannon and Mike Flynn to all be perp walked and, you know, put in front of a military tribunal or, you know, sent to The Hague or whatever. You know, obviously you can talk about how these conspiracy theories have different aspects to them. I mean, certainly QAnon is much more racist, much more anti-Semitic. And, you know, certainly theories like QAnon drove January 6th, whereas, you know, left-wing Q-adjacent conspiracies haven't done anything like that. So the particulars are different, but I think in the broad strokes, they're very, very similar. So speaking of that divide, conversations around misinformation, conspiracy theories, etc., in the U.S. are unfortunately kind of split on partisan lines these days, um, which, in my opinion, is just a real shame. You know, a question we have for you is, do you think that people on the political left are in some ways or in any ways more susceptible to conspiracy thinking precisely, you know, maybe because they are on the side of the political spectrum that recognizes this as uh, you know, a whole of society problem that, you know, maybe they think that 
they're in the know and they're like smarter than that. Do you think that is a vulnerability or, you know, I don't know, I guess I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I think it is a vulnerability. I, I think there is that belief on the left that sort of dealing with the conspiracy theories on the left is is both sidesing things, you know, sort of saying, well, you know, both sides are susceptible to conspiracies, both sides are susceptible to magical thinking. And I don't think it's that. I think it's that everybody is susceptible to conspiracy theories. We all want answers. We all want to have things that seem inexplicable be explained to us. And we all want the people who we think are responsible for what's going on to face justice. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting Donald Trump to face some sort of justice, some sort of um, retribution, you know, to use a word that he's used for what he's done. You know, I think that's a very human thing. And I think there's a sense of, well, we're not racist. We're not anti-Semitic. We're not trying to overthrow democracy. We just want these crimes to be brought to justice. But I think it can curdle very quickly into conspiracy theories, into scapegoating, into in-groups versus out-groups. And I think you're seeing that a lot on the left with some of these conspiracy pushers. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the criticism you've gotten specifically is because you're pushing back and there aren't that many people on the left willing to push back. They're afraid of the backlash and and the criticisms. And it it does mean that not everyone, quote unquote, on your side is necessarily a a fan, but it's absolutely necessary. And it seems like it's something we we need to be doing more um, so that guys like this can't wedge their way into the conversation so well because nobody pushes back and facts check somebody like Jim Stewartson then he keeps growing an audience and some people see some of his things and think oh that 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 could make sense I could see how that could work but I I do think it's commendable even though I I understand the uh the consequences that you've suffered but I I think I wanted you to maybe explain a little bit about how these conspiracy theories if, if you feel like they could help Trump or help somebody like Mike Flynn? Because I noticed that Mike Flynn blocks a lot of people on Twitter, but he doesn't block Jim Stewartson. Yeah. And and I, in terms of the, the pushback... Double agent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand why there are peop- other targets of Jim that don't push back. Um, you know, and I don't want to name any names because I really respect all these people. But I understand that if you're at a certain level... You, you know, you've got a big following, you're putting out a lot of work, you just don't want to deal with this, you don't want to get drawn into it. And you feel like, well, if I just ignore it, he's just going to get tired of it. And I think I realized as Q was ramping up that ignoring it doesn't make it go away. It just means it's growing without being pushed back against. It's like any bully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the bully wants to pro- provoke a response, but they're not going to stop punching you just because you're letting them punch you. And I ignored Jim for a long time. You know, I, I started all of this crap with him probably right a, right after January 6th when he was accusing me of having all these secret email conversations with some of the people who started QAnon. And I was like, I don't have any email conversations with these people. I've never talked to these people. You know, whatever emails you think you have, post them because they're not real. And after that, I just ignored it for a long time and he didn't stop and it just got worse and worse. So pushing back at it really felt like the responsible thing for me to do rather than just let these conspiracy theories fester and start to ruin my reputation. And as you were talking about, you know, provide some kind of cover for people like Mike Flynn, for people who are, you know, the the subjects of, of his theories. Jim and people like him are are pitting people 
you know, researchers and, and journalists against each other, rather than all uniting and pulling on the same rope and helping each other, giving each other the information that we have. Yeah, we're going to disagree about things. That's fine. But what we're not doing is fighting with each other and sniping at each other and making up conspiracy theories about each other. People like Jim do that. And it really does help people like Mike Flynn. I think it's very telling. Mike Flynn's blocked me. He hasn't blocked Jim. So part of the issue here seems to be the fact that everyone is looking for easy answers to what ails us as a country, isn't it? If Mike Flynn is Q and Mike Flynn worked for Russia and then he worked for Trump, then all we have to do is arrest Mike Flynn and expose this and everything gets fixed, right? But yep. how is that different from the deep the right-wingers saying that Q arresting all of the deep state pedophiles is going to fix all of the problems that the right has with the world? It's really not different. I mean, certainly Mike Flynn is not the same as Hillary Clinton. I mean, you know, say what you want about Hillary Clinton, but Mike Flynn has done a lot of things that could really be described as treason. You know, I don't think anybody's disputing that. But the idea that if we just uh, arrest the right people, everything is going to be fine. That's just not the way it is. I mean, if, if Mike Flynn were arrested tomorrow, is that going to make disinformation go away? Is that suddenly going to mean that our, our culture is not going to be polarized anymore? No, of course not. These are problems that have been in American society since the American Revolution. Conspiracy theories are part of the way human minds have evolved. Ar arresting Mike Flynn and Steve Bannon and Roger Stone it's not going to suddenly make everybody into critical thinkers. That's just not how it works. Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, which is just, you know, for all the efforts, I feel like today, you know, there's a larger understanding of these kind of risks online uh, than there's ever been. But the problem also seems as worse as it ever was, uh, in some respects, at least. But, you know, something I always think is important to talk about when you talk about, you know, people spreading misinformation is motive. So, you know, I'm curious, maybe we use Jim as an example here, but, you know, what you think kind of motivates people on the left to go this route? And, you know, is that different than what motivates people on the right to go that route? And, you know, how much of it do you think is intentional grift? You know, how often are people radicalized into bringing or believing anti-Trump conspiracy theories? It's just... I feel like when we do this episode, some people are going to reflexively be like both sides. But if I guess I'm curious if you see like any differences in motives and behavior. I think the behavior is different. I think you don't get the the anti-Semitism, the racism, the anti-vax stuff, especially, you know, you do get some of that on the left, but it's not it hasn't infiltrated to the to the degree that it has on the right. But one of the prime motivators is money. You know, the you know, you look at uh, Jim, who is constantly asking for subscriptions to his Substack. You look at uh, Bad Company. I don't know if you've talked about him chilling <laughs> yeah. his GoFundMe fifty times a day. They've got podcasts. They've got Patreons. They've got merch. It's the same thing. I mean, and, and I can't, you know, leave myself out of it. I, I'm constantly, you know, pitching my books. You know, it's not. <laughs> but but the difference is that. You know, when I wrote The Storm is Upon Us, that was a culmination of three years of research, of interviewing, of understanding a subject inside and out, of also of being 
edited, of being fact-checked, of going through a legal read. There are uh, standards that you have to uphold when you publish a book that's being distributed by one of the big five publishing companies. When you have a Twitter account, when you have a Substack, it doesn't matter. No one's fact-checking you. These these people think fact-checkers are in on the whole scheme, just like some other right does. So, I mean, yes, you can you can sell a book, you can have a podcast, but presumably you're being fact-checked, you're being edited, you you have some professional standards about being right. With somebody like Jim, it just doesn't matter. You can throw anything out there, and it's all just vibes. So the the motivation certainly is money. It is certainly being right. It's being first. It's being able to say, well, I told you on my Substack three years ago. Well, your Substack didn't have anybody editing it. You can say anything you want. And just like Q-drops, you make 500 claims and 10 of them turn out to be true. Nobody's going to remember the other 490 (laughs) claims. It's the same thing as any strip mall psychic. (laughs) Brutal. (laughs) Shots fired. <laughs> Strip right. mall psychics are on death watch. They're looking yes. for you, Mike. They are. Join the club. <laughs> I do think it's amazing that Stewartson in particular showed up, what, three years after you had been looking into QAnon. I know you were there in the early days, and I know Jared was too. And I mean, he showed up like right before Q stopped posting. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is amazing. <laughs> and then he figured it all out in three days. Yeah, I mean, he must just be the smartest person we've ever heard of, or some kind of a savant, you know, super super genius. Quite the big brain on that guy. Big brain. So we know you can't prove a negative, but it sounds like you've kind of gotten used to dealing with this issue of responding to people who say, "Well, you may not like what this." anti-Trump account is saying, but you can't disprove it, can you? What what do you say to people who come at you with that? It's, you know, it's the way proof works. The burden of proof is always on the person making the accusation. And, you know, I, I mean, no, I can't tell you with 100% certainty that Mike Flynn is not you. But Jim can't tell us with 100% certainty that Mike Flynn is Q. And he's the one making the accusation. He's the one who has to prove it. This is the basics of how conspiracy theories work. And I've run into this all the time, especially working on the Rothschild book. You know, one of the things that I talked to the family archivist about was the reason why the Rothschilds don't address these theories is they can't prove they're not true. They can't, you know, the Rothschilds can't prove they don't have $500 trillion. They can't prove they don't run every central bank in the world except three or five or seven or whatever the meme is. Most people don't believe that. Most people don't need that to to be proven to them. And the people who do need it to be proven to them are never going to believe it anyway. And it's the same thing with Jim's conspiracy theories. I, you know, I, I can't prove that Mike Flynn isn't Q. It's just that most people who understand this world don't think Mike Flynn is Q. And that's about the best that I can do. And, and I can't disprove Jim's personal conspiracy theories about me either. They're not true. He doesn't have any proof they're true, but I don't have any proof they're not true because there's no paper trail. There's no receipts for things that never happened that that, that doesn't exist. So it's it's really up to him to to prove these allegations. And they're just it's never going to happen because they're not true. 
So do you think part of the reason you get attacked like you get attacked is because there just aren't enough honest criticisms of left-wing conspiracy theories? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I think a lot of people really don't want to be seen as both sidesing it or saying, well, you know, you know, they we do it, they do it too. There there needs to be more accountability on the left for conspiracy theories for magical thinking and and for the people who have said year after year after year Mueller's got this trump's still going to prison it's Mueller time baby. closing in yep. <laughs> and there's been no accountability for this at all i mean do i want trump to go to prison yeah i think so <laughs> do i think it's going to happen no <laughs> i mean it's, you know i i'm a realistic person and i don't want to sell false hope and I and I don't want that to be my brand. And and if my brand includes, uh, you know, providing needles for people's balloons, as, as the Flaming Lips have said, <laughs> so be it. Somebody's got to do it. I have also experienced this after, you know, uh, you know, major events like when that power station in North Carolina was attacked on the same evening that a drag show uh, was mm. all age drag show was set to be held uh, and. Some people made connections uh, between the two, and I said, "Wow, that would be fucking insane if that was true." Uh, I, but I think we should wait until we know that is true uh, before getting everybody all freaked out. Uh, and that was, oh my god, it's I'm a fascist sympathizer. Yeah, as soon as you're wrong about it, they're gonna screenshot everything you get wrong. And it's going to be part of your permanent record until you die. It's, oh, Jared Holt is the guy who was wrong about this one thing. So you you help them, you give them content, and you give them something to, to sell to their audience. And it also, it hurts you in perpetuity. So all, all you're saying is like, let's take a breath here. But even that is is too much for some people, yeah. which yeah, it shouldn't it's, be. It's too much, man. It's It's just... I don't know. And I'd be lying if I said it didn't like take a toll on me sometimes. You know, I have gone through a lot in this field of work that I have done. And to have a bunch of people tell me I sympathize with fascists and I've got think tank brain or something. It's, I, I mean, like, I'll be honest, it, like when that happens, it does take kind of a toll on me. Mike, does it take a toll on you, too? You know, I it, it does because it I mean, I know none of it is true. Like this, this is stuff you, you might as well be accusing me of like kidnapping the Lindbergh baby. You know, I didn't, did you? I didn't do any of this. I did not, <laughs> not can't prove I did. Um, you know what it is, it's a distraction and it, and it also like, it hurts my reputation. You know, I, I try really, really hard to get things right and I don't get everything right. And nobody does. But when Jim posts this stuff about how I'm, working with white nationalists and and Mike Flynn and it gets a couple hundred retweets from his fans. Like I, I can't measure what that does to my book sales or whatever, but I, I'm sure that it's hurt me in, in fiscal ways in, you know, dimming my, my reach just a little bit. I, I can't quantify it. It's nothing I could like put into a lawsuit or something, but I'm I'm sure it's had an effect on me. And and it's it bothers me because it's just not true. And if anybody wants to know anything about me, just ask me. You know, just just shoot me an email and just say, hey, you know, so and so said this about you. Is this true? And I'm gonna say, no, it's not. And if you don't believe that, that's up to you. You know, all I can do is 
just do my do my work and put stuff out there and push back against the people who need to get pushed back against and uh, anything else beyond that is just out of my hands. Well, I think before we we let you go, we might ask you how do we continue to lessen the influence of toxic accounts on the left? I don't want to look at this and and treat it like some of these people may do where there's the final boss. The final boss is Mike Flynn and arrest him and it all gets better. And we can't, we can't make these people go away. There's, there's and a lot of times they don't have anything else to go to. It's, this is their livelihood and their, their circle of people and their choices that they can make in life kind of shrink further and further as they alienate anyone who's, who's not on board with their kind of toxic brand. But how do we, how do we lessen the impact? Do we just keep having conversations like this? Yeah, we keep having conversations like this. We keep pushing back. We keep holding ourselves accountable. We catch ourselves when we spread this stuff accidentally. You know, really simple things like if Marjorie Taylor Greene has a has a tweet going around and it's got a big typo in it, don't don't retweet it. You know, screenshot it, but don't retweet it. You know, lessen your spreading of conspiracy theories. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, <laughs> and, and when you see this happening, push back. Say, no, this isn't true. You know, push push back. You know, talk to other people about it. Let's keep talking about it. And just do the best work that we can do and try to drown out the noise and the chaos and the grifting and the hopium. And, you know, I, I feel like that's that's all we can do. Mike Rothschild, thanks so much joining us today thank you insightful as always we'll drop a link to your twitter and your book and all that good stuff down in the description of this episode absolutely thanks that's great thanks mike appreciate your time we wanted to give you a glimpse of stewartson's unhealthy obsession with today's guest so here's jim in his own words addressing mike rothschild mike i'm replying this way because you and your team of trolls got me banned 10 months ago i have plenty to do mike I have had plenty to do warning people about Flynn, about QAnon, about the Russians, about fascism for two years. Well, all you have done is lie about it. For five years, you've been lying about QAnon. Intentionally so, distracting from the truth. And for the last two years, ever since I DM'd you real friendly on August 12th, 2020, to say, hey, man, let's talk. It seems like QAnon is connected to the Russians. You've spent the next 26 months lying about me to the press, in the press, on Twitter, to my friends, everyone, Mike. Thousands and thousands of tweets. It's in public, dude. So are your lies. So is the record of being wrong, intentionally so, aggressively so. So don't tell me about having other things to do. I could care less about you, dude. Later in the same recording, Stewartson adds, Why don't you come clean? It'd be a great story, man. You could write another book about how you've been LARPing for five years for the wrong team. That would be awesome. Come on, man. Do it. 
arrest Mike Flynn. Jim's not the only guy that's out here doing this on Twitter. I mean, he mentioned bad company and that's another guy that absolutely just sucks, but has thousands of people retweeting everything he says. Well, and I, I'm not going to mention his name as I, he's left Twitter and I'm glad that he has, but we knew a young man who got very involved with the, the Trump Russia investigations and all this. And he was autistic and he seemed like he found a thing that people responded to and he grew his following. He got over 50,000 followers on Twitter. I know before he left and people turned to him for insight and knowledge. And this is not at all trying to, to belittle him or mock him, but this was a, a young man who could not live on his own without assistance, but he convinced enough people that, that he had some special insight. And it's because I think people are desperate for, for things to get better, for things to improve, for the, all of their problems to be solved. And they go looking for this, but there are, there are some people who, who fall into this and the young man I'm talking about, it just, he, he found a purpose in life and I totally understand how that happened, but there are also a lot of people who do this and it's just about the money there are a lot of different motivations and reasons that this happens, that there's, an, you know, a lane for this sort of material and behavior. But just consider whether or not you're being taken advantage of. If you fall into this world, think twice. Yeah, a good general rule of thumb on the Internet is just assume whoever you're arguing with is either drunk, just got out of the mental hospital, or whatever it may be. Be on the other side of the screen, you have no idea what's going on. Um, and and that's also, you know, a reason to have a healthy amount of skepticism with information and different pundits who claim to have special knowledge that you may encounter online. So, I mean, all of that is to say, you know, I've interacted with some of these folks before that we're talking about, and it's not just Jim. The problem's a lot bigger than Jim. But at least the people I've spoken to, and I won't name drop here, but I've always got the sense that they were, you know, had found this sort of political commentary or develop the the sense of authority they get from having an audience trust them is ultimately like kind of filling a hole somewhere else in their life. Same thing with, you know, conspiracy theories do across the board. It gives you, you know, a sense of, of purpose or a sense of intelligence or authority that you might not feel otherwise. So that is, you know, something to be conscious of both in these influencers and then also you know, always in ourselves too. You know, are we finding the information that we want to be true or that makes sense to be true? Or are we finding the facts? And you're going to make mistakes. Everyone has and does and will. There is no perfection out there, but we should be aiming for as many facts and as good as the information can get. And we should always be testing ourselves and striving to do better. And... I think, Jared, I've, I've known you a long time and I've, I've seen you grow in your work and, and how you handle this. And it's, it's impressive and it's, you certainly have learned a lot. I've, I've seen it firsthand. Mm -hmm. I've seen it with a lot of people that I, that I follow on Twitter. And yeah, it, it is possible to, to do good and to keep doing more good, but it is also, it's in tiny increments. Thanks, Jay. That was really nice. Absolutely. 
Once again, this has been a joint collaboration of Posting Through It and Did Nothing Wrong. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you next time.